0: Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So, this is the second One Football Podcast focusing on women's football across Europe and beyond, really, hosted by myself, Angelina Kelly. And today I'm joined once again by Ollie Dressler. Good to have you back.
1: Hello, thanks for having me again.
0: And we are also joined by Alejandro Diago. Welcome, Alejandro.
2: Hello, thank you for having me here. No
0: problem. Right, let's crack on and take a look at some of the games that took place over the weekend. So first up, we're going to head over to the French League, where it is neck and neck at the top of the table between Lyon and PSG. They both actually won 5-0 at the weekend. Um, Oli, what did you make of Lyon? They beat uh, Paris FC, not PSG. (laughs) Who, Who impressed you?
1: um overall i think it was a quite impressive performance of the whole team like uh, you could get the idea that this team is a bit in a sort of a decline if you read all the news over the past couple of weeks and months. and i think this game was really the leon machine running on full full steam again and uh, if i had to pick a player of course uh, nikita paris scored two goals which is quite impressive um Carpenter which is also in her first season with Lyon was very good on the right wing always getting forward trying to create chances putting crosses for her teammates and yeah it was just the overall dominant performance you would expect from a team like uh, Lyon and uh, I don't know if you have seen the highlights but there were two very beautiful girls from both Paris with a nice lob over the goalkeeper and also uh marjorie with a sort of bicycle kick after a bicycle assist of marujan which was pretty amazing and yeah it was uh yeah back back to good old Lyon, i would say and the only thing i was maybe a bit unimpressed with was paris's finishing because he also had two chances clear on goal so it could have been even even uh, higher in the end, the results. So I think it was a very strong team performance um, to sum that up.
0: Yeah, so basically Nikita Paris should have scored more, is what you say. (laughs) If (laughs) you want to take this away,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, Completely disappointing performance.
0: (laughs) Um, Of course, Leon are without their star, Ada Hegelberg, who is on the road to recovery after knee ligament injury and a lot of damage and stuff. But she's on, on her way back, hopefully. On the score sheet, like you say, was Nikita Paris. She was once at Everton, Manchester City. She's now got 11 goals in 13 games this season in the league Alejandro what do you make of her career in France so far and do you think that she's trying to maybe make as much noise as possible before she's potentially dethroned when the star returns
2: in this case we'll have maybe the problem what a what a nice problem it will be for the coach of Lyon having two players with the quality as Nikita and Ara Hegerberg it should they should have a lot of uh, he should have a lot of trouble now because having a Nikita Paris in such a, a shape now it's a good thing for not for, only for Lyon but also for England's national team but when Ada he- Hegerberg is back he will have a huge di- dilemma putting one of the, the one of the Ballon d'Or one of the biggest stars of women's football uh, and maybe that Ada Hegerberg that probably he, she will be back on a tremendous shape and scoring many goals and Relegating Paris to the bench or keeping the trust in Paris in the uh, for the for the until the end of the season, what a problem! And uh, let's see how Lyon deals with it.
0: Yes, it will be interesting to see uh, what Lyon end up doing. I mean, another player who got a goal and now has eight goals and two assists in I think 12 games is Leon and France captain Wendy Renard. She's not doing too bad for a centre-back I must say. Um, looking at the most recent France squad she is the oldest player in her position but she's still only 30. She's not completely over the hill and she does have so much experience. Oli how vital is she for France and Leon?
1: Absolutely vital. I mean you, you just said it. her goal scoring record as a center back is impressive she's the defensive rock she's an offensive weapon whenever Lyon has a set piece you know it's going to be dangerous just because of her being there she's not just tall she's also very good at headers which is you know not the same thing and she also stepped up against juve in the Champions League when Lyon was uh, one goal down and got uh, re- uh, rewarded a penalty and she converted it like it was nothing so such a absolute leader and very important for the club but also for the national team of course she scored i think four or five scores at the goals at the home world cup two years ago and yeah i mean there's there's a reason that she was uh nominated nominated for the fifa best award even though she didn't win it but i mean you can just tell from that what an amazing player she is and so many titles over 100 caps for france um yeah, I think there's really no doubt about her quality, but um, I read that she might be on her way out of Lyon, but I think we will talk about this later today. Yes. Um, just a little hint for the
0: <laughs> Hint for the listeners for what's coming. <laughs> yeah.
1: Bit of Teasing.
0: Um, so, looking at now the PSG game, they also won 5-0 against Wingamp. The opposition are in the bottom half of the table. So, Alejandro, was this just another day at the office for PSG? An expected win against a weaker team and just an all-round good performance?
2: Uh, of course, uh, we are seeing now PSG is performing a tremendous season. They are um, showing a huge uh, shape in results and in also, in ge- also in the way of the, they are playing, Olivier Chuvafni fa- has done a treme- a tremendous job in in this season, and maybe we are seeing a real alternative to Olympic to Olympic Lyonnais this year. Okay, it's a year after coronavirus; it's a year that is very different, but uh, the alternative is here, and I think uh, Paris Saint Germain can make the surprise in the in the second part of the season.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I think it has been very exciting to see um, PSG really show up. And, um, you know, they have ended up being runners-up a few times. Um, they've had a lot of bad luck being runners-up. And it's exciting to see where they are, obviously, top of the table at the moment. Um, on the score sheet was Jordan Hutema. This is only her second season in France. Not too many goals just yet, just four, but she is still young and is being linked, of course, to Bayern Munich, since her boyfriend is Alphonso Davis, um, and Manchester City. Oli, what do you make of her so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, she's struggling to break into the first team. Um, I think 16 of her 19 appearances in the league this season came as a substitute, which is obviously a bit frustrating for her personally, I could imagine. Um, she's done a bit better in the Champions League uh, where she had yeah, more game time and scored, I think, six in, in six games. So there you can see her potential. And as I said, it's probably frustrating for her not breaking into the first team on a more regular basis in the domestic league. And I think there is no doubt about her quality. As you said, still very young. But already quite impressive for the national team, scored a couple of goals. There is the third youngest ever uh, player for Canada. So, um, yeah, it's still just her second season in France. But, of course, the rumors are uh, flying in at this point. And, you know, just follow some players on Instagram and there are already already some rumors coming. Um, So, I guess she might try somewhere else. But... Yeah, maybe she will departure with a league title at least from PSG.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? If she can go with that, I'm sure she will be very happy. Um, <laughs> you know, currently PSG, like I said, they are the league leaders just by one point. They are unbeaten. Lyon, of course, have just got that one defeat, which was against them. As we all know, Lyon are the big guns in this competition, and as I just mentioned, PSG have been contenders. I'd probably say for like the last ten years, they have definitely been in the mix, but. You know, runners up eight times uh, must be very frustrating. But Alejandro, do we think that this could finally be their year?
2: Totally, totally. Because as I said before, this is a, a very different year. This Corona pandemic has changed ways in football. We are seeing in all the leagues, not only not only in France, but all, in in all in all the leagues and competitions that they are being so closer and so and so that. Uh, uh, so, so so tight the the race for the title, and maybe this year we, we can have a surprise in France and PSG can can be the champion. Uh, checking the names of the of the of the squad of PSG, of course they have level to compete for the title. Uh, checking a, a, a team that has players like Irene Paredes, Tiane Eller, or also Nadia Nadim or Sarah Dabritz or Ramona Bachmann they are names that they are uh, ready to fight for the for the top uh, awards
0: yeah most most definitely and um you know what i wouldn't mind a bit of a a change in seeing psg lift that trophy like i say they've been in the mix for a while and I agree. I think that this could be their year and I think it, it will be uh, well-deserved because nobody wants to be runner-up eight times, let's be honest. <laughs> um, so heading over to England now and the Women's Super League, and I, of course, was very happy to hear that Manchester United were back at the top of the table. It may only be because Chelsea's game was called off due to poor weather conditions, but I don't care. I'm taking it. <laughs> we are back at the top of the table. Um Oli, although Chelsea will now have a game in hand, psychologically after that loss to Chelsea, do you think that the United seeing themselves back at the top of the table will help them to continue their good form? Because that's what I'm thinking and that's what I'm grasping at. So give me some hope here. What do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, most definitely you're right about it. I, I told you last week not to worry too much. And uh, I think it was very important for the team to bounce back after the loss against Chelsea because definitely this was very frustrating they might have the feeling uh, that they could have get at least a draw against uh, the champions not uh mentioning even unbeaten uh, uh ending the unbeaten run of Chelsea and I think it was just a very professional performance as Casey Stoney had said getting the result in a in a good way they were a bit unlucky in the first half they already unlocked the Birmingham defense but failed to score but again, Leah Galton was just outstanding, scored five goals in the five last matches, received player of the month in December. And also a quote from Casey Stone again, was a heavy influence on the United game. And it's really nice to see her in, in that top form. And uh, yeah, all, all in all, I think very, very promising for United. Uh, only down point maybe is the... Uh, the injury or absence of Tobin Heath, which will be out for a while now. So let's see what what impact this will have. But as I I said last week, and I will say again today, don't worry too much about United. They're doing really fine, I would say.
0: Okay, right. (laughs) Because Manchester United in general, I'm worrying a lot. So that's good to know that that is at least one thing I don't have to worry about too much. Um, Of course, that win, that very professional win, like you said, was 2-0 over Birmingham City. They were not looking their best. Um, They managed just one shot throughout the game. They struggled to get any possession, really, and had it not been for a good number of saves from Hannah Hampton, they could have lost by a much greater margin. Um, Only three wins so far for Birmingham. Alejandro, do you see things getting any better?
2: I see it very difficult to be honest because not only for the results of this season of uh, Birmingham that they have lost many games, for example they lost against Arsenal, they lost against Chelsea, they lost even against Brighton, but also maybe for the lack of competition they are having because we need to remember that Birmingham had three matches postponed in the, in the time-lapse of one month. Uh, one of them was of player shortage, and two of them uh, because of the conditions of the pitch. So maybe that lack of competition is it can be a problem for Birmingham if they don't solve uh, soon this issue.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think you're right there. The lack of competition is definitely affecting them. Speaking of Birmingham, there is a familiar Birmingham City face back in the women's super league as their former manager, Marcus Bigno, has made a return to women's football and he has been appointed interim manager by Aston Villa until the end of the season they're just five points from the bottom spot in the league now the former Villa boss Gemma Davies she will still have a place in the coaching team which I think is quite nice I don't know maybe in the men's game Frank Lampard is maybe hoping he (laughs) he could have had a little space still in the coaching team maybe he just wanted out who knows Um, so yeah nice that she will still be involved Oli, do you think that this change will help Villa? Are you confident in No? Surely a fresh face. It will be some kind of boost. Um, I mean, Wednesday night, um, I think when this goes out, it will be this evening. Um, they are playing Chelsea. So do you think this will be a boost for them?
1: Um, yeah, I hope so. I mean, there are four German players in the team, so I really hope they're doing fine. <laughs> um to be honest when i read when i read the news i had some question marks over my head because i thought this was just another you know one coach being sacked another one being appointment but then when i actually read the news it was like okay he's uh, kind of a mentor there and as you said Gamma davis is still head coach but get this assistance so i was wondering how is this gonna work out i mean it it's a nice idea to be honest as you said not just the coach uh, like Abramovich likes to do but to to give them just assistance and maybe fix some problems and so she hasn't to take care of everything on her own maybe and get more experience in there and yeah could be uh, an interesting approach I would say Um, but to me as I said I was a bit uh, puzzled and I was like okay how is this going to work out in 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 the day-to-day process but let's see. As you said, could be a, a nice boost. They have now Chelsea and Arsenal coming up next. Um, we have seen so many times in football that a team completely changes their attitude or the performance after, you know, a change on the on the coach position. But in this case, I'm not too sure if it will be that Im- massive boost and get any results from the two london matches but i think in general um they might have felt they need to change some things and they have the second worst defense of the league and maybe this can help them to sort some of their problems out at least and i also think the signing of iwabuchi already gave them a boost which you could saw on the last match day so, yeah, fingers crossed for Villa and my four German fellow women. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, fingers crossed for them. Let's hope it's not too bad against Chelsea. Let's hope that it's... we're not looking at uh, a 7 1 loss, which is what Brighton had. Um, the biggest game from the weekend was Manchester City's 7 1 away victory against them. Alejandro, what did you make of Manchester City's performance?
2: It's just a notice for all the competitor, competitors that Man City, it will f- they will fight for the title uh, until, the, until the last game. This is not, uh, nothing special as we have, well, well not, not, not nothing special I mean, but it is the confirmation of the tremendous shape that Man City is developing in this season. They have, they have one problem in the League Cup, but uh, following from that, they have uh, showed that they are strong, that they can compete with anyone, and also even that that they lack in the in the Manchester derby against Manchester United. That uh, they got they got this tie, uh, they got over, uh, this this comeback from Man United. Uh, we are seeing that uh, Man City uh, they want to get the titles that they they didn't got last season. If we remember last season, they only get the FA Cup. But for example. Because of the pandemic, the league was stopped and they didn't get the title. Uh, uh, Chelsea got the title and also in Champions League, they got eliminated by Atletico de Madrid. So maybe we, I think this year Man City, uh, they will be in the fight for all the titles, including the European one.
0: Yeah, as much as it pains me to say it, I think you are probably right. And I think it was a real statement um like you say that they are still in the mix for the title um and they're not going to kind of give up that fight anytime soon it was a brilliant result for them um the shining star was of course newbie Chloe Kelly she joined the club in the summer she already has eight goals in all competitions and against Brighton she had just a mere three assists and one goal you know pretty standard um Ollie, Serena Weigman is going to have a real headache picking her star striker for England at this rate. How do you think Chloe matches up to the likes of Fran Kirby, Lauren James, Bethany England, etc.? I mean, I could go on and on, all of these forwards for England. How do you think she matches up?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a headache for me as well. Um, it, maybe Weigman should go back in tactics 70 years ago and change to 2-3-5 formation to play all this amazing <laughs> talent up front. Because how can you how can you choose from that it's it's going to be maybe one of her biggest tasks as an england manager i think um at trying to compare kelly to other players i mean compared to beth england i think it's not exactly the same type of player but for example she's three three or four years younger and both have the same kind of experience in the national team so maybe this is a plus point for her that she is still some more time um, in the national team and maybe you know can develop there a bit more but this is just you know on on a very high level I mean Beth England is amazing player as well and on the other hand it may then be an advantage for Kelly to be a little bit more experienced than Lauren James for example which is maybe a little bit more of, of her type of player and yeah I mean you may also mention Frank Kirby and I think there is no doubt that she's maybe actually one of the best at the moment in world football at all.
0: Yeah, most definitely. It will be interesting to see um, how those first kind of games under the new manager, who will be in those starting lineups. Um, Another big player, of course, playing for Manchester City was Lucy Bronze, one of the biggest names in women's football. Alejandro, what do you make of her return to the Women's Super League and her return to Manchester City? Do you think it was the right move for her?
2: of course totally it was the perfect move not only for her because he's coming back to to England and he's coming back to one of the top teams of the league but also for the competition when a competition can keep their national stars and they can upgrade the level it's the best not only for for her but for the competition and the game because that will mean a better quality in the game a better quality in the competition and a better quality to sell the league to the world that's something I missed personally in Spain. This year, we have we, we have lost one of uh, some of the biggest, young, youngest stars, for example, Ona Butler, that is, that she has gone to Man United, and also uh, Damaris Segurrola, that has moved to Everton, but now she has moved to Lyon. And those are two big names that we are missing now in the Spanish competition. We are saying, we would like to have them now, and that England ha- can, can, uh, they have kept Lucy Bronze. That is wonderful, and it's so good for not only for her but also for the league and also for the national team of England.
0: I, I completely agree. I think it was a really good move. Um I think when everyone saw her move to Lyon, it was a bit like, "Oh no, we've lost her forever." <laughs> and um, I think the fact that she she's returned it is a really good feeling um, for you know fans of Women's Super League and. Obviously, England supporters, but um, we'll finally head over to Spain. Last week, we spoke about Atletico's cup win and whether this would help them in the battle at the top of the division, and it seems to have done the trick. Alejandro, what did you make of Atletico's performance um, against Sevilla this weekend? Well, last weekend. Uh,
2: the thing is that uh, the changes on the bench since Jose Antonio Jose Antonio Sanchez Vera came back to the Atletico Madrid bench. We are seeing a completely different Atletico Madrid that, than we see when it was her, his former coach, uh, Dani González. Uh, this team now, they are trying to compete and fight every ball. They are trying to fight every game and the result is there. Uh, we have seen, they, they knock out Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup. They won the Super Cup and now they are performing a tremendous a perfect match against one Sevilla that is plenty of young talents that but they still lack a little bit more of competitiveness in this in the Spanish league.
0: Yeah. I think it's um I think it's brilliant to see Atletico back kind of performing and I think like I say that cup win must have um must have been a massive help as well. On the score sheet was Denia Castellanos. It has been just over 1 year now since her arrival in Madrid. This season is probably her first real season at the club because last year was pretty much a write-off for most people. Um, she already has seven goals and five assists in the league. Oli, what do you make of her?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely amazing player. I remember there was a lot of noise when the signing was actually announced, and um, it's also great that Atletico got there, got her from her rivals and uh, or signed them before the others could. And I think I really like the way she's playing. Like, like not completely striker, not a number 10, like a little bit of floating in between and just then wearing the number six shirt, with, which is a bit odd, but also uh, uh, kind of funny to me. And yeah, I think now this season, we really see why she was nominated for the FIFA Best Award in 2017, which provoked a little bit of a contur- uh, controversy, if you remember that. And uh, yeah, I think she's now... Uh, how to say it, living up to that pre-hype she already got early in her career, and you could almost feel that Atletico was a bit too dependent on her, and maybe it looked Miller uh, by the beginning of this season. But now we talked about uh, the signing of uh, Agüero and shoot last uh, last week, and also since then Atletico signed Bonetti from Fiorentina, so they yeah try to give the whole squad a bit more width and uh, yeah take away. Some responsibility of uh, maybe Casiano's shoulders and other players' shoulders, and just improve their squad and yeah, challenge for the for the goals that they have as a team.
0: Yeah, most definitely, um, and of course, by the time the podcast goes out, Real Madrid will have played against Santa Teresa. Alejandro, we know that you're a big Real Madrid fan, so it would only be right for us to ask you about Real Madrid. What do you make of the arrival of the women's team finally and how they're doing so far in the league?
2: Uh, I, the thing that Real Madrid has arrived in women's football is the best news women's football could ever have because the name of a, of a team like Real Madrid linked to women's football, it will make growth both even Real Madrid and women's football. I would like to recommend you both one documentary from HBO Uh, it was released in late December uh, in late December last last month and it's four chapters and they tell the story from the inside how was the transformation from uh, Tacón to Real Madrid it's very interesting and I totally recommend you and I'm sure you will like it and the performance on the league it's good it's good for a team that is growing a team that uh, they are expecting to qualify for the Champions League. It, it's now impossible to compete against Barcelona, and it's so painful to say this for me now. <laughs> it's so painful to say to say for this for me now. But this is the situation. Barcelona is now in a, in another level. They are, they have developed women's football in a perfect way. I don't have nothing to uh, to say. Uh, uh, because of that, they are competing perfectly and they are winning. But I hope, let's see, I hope not, if it's not for the next season, maybe for the for the one after the next, I hope that Real Madrid can be competing for the league and fighting for a league title. That will make me very happy.
0: Well, <laughs> we have got our fingers crossed for you. Um, and even just as as a neutral watching the Spanish league, I think to see... Um, Barcelona and Real Madrid, both in the mix, you know, going up against each other. Um, I think it's always good for football fans to see. Um, now, just as a
2: reminder, this weekend we have Clasico. Yes, we have uh, Barcelona Real Madrid. So let's see if we, if Real Madrid, can make uh, a better performance from the from the beginning of the uh, from the last of the first turn of the season when we lost four 0 sadly.
0: Well, we've. Again, we've got our fingers crossed for you because we know you will not be happy if it doesn't go uh, go no. the way that you're hoping. We've got our fingers crossed for you. Um, now, there was a derby um, in the league also um, over the weekend. As two Basque teams, Ibar and Real Sociedad, um, went head to head, that ended in a draw. Um, Ollie, do you think a draw was a fair result?
1: Yeah, I think it was a pretty fair result. It was an open match, quite entertaining from what I saw. Um, both teams meeting on eye level and yeah, there were chances at both ends of the park and it possibly could have gone uh, 4-4 as well in the end. So also the players seemed quite happy with the result in the end. Everybody was smiling and, you know, shaking hands. So I think, yeah, it was a pretty fair derby and a fair result in the end. And, yeah, they just stay close on the table to each other. And, um, yeah, let's see where they go from there.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, I would probably say Sociedad's uh, savior, um, who scored the final goal. I'm going with savior. (laughs) Um, um, One of the new faces was uh, Sani Franci. Uh, Alejandro, do you think that she is the kind of forward that is going to be able to deliver on goals so they are not having to rely as heavily on and my apologies if I butcher this woman's name um, Naikari García I don't know if I've said that correctly but Yeah,
2: you say, you say it correctly, Naikari García Oh, thank but you the, <laughs> but, but the thing is that uh, this this girl Sunny Franci we have seen her with the Finnish national team and is one of the most uh, of the biggest hopes of the Finnish football uh, She's developing very well in Sociedad, and I think in a future that Naikari like garcia we there's there always lots of rumors that if she will leave real sociedad or not because i understand she's maybe the best striker in spain nowadays and uh, all the teams they want they want her and it and it would be for me normal that maybe she she decides to end his career in real sociedad and go into another team she can be the one who takes the 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 oath from, from Naikari, and she can be the next top striker from Real Sociedad.
0: Well, you've heard it here first. She is going <laughs> to be the next top striker. I hope you're right because, you know, she does seem like such a, a promising, such a great player. So most definitely to see her doing well would be great. Um, now, any Real Sociedad fans listening, my apologies, but it's almost one year um, since they had that awful uh, 10-1 thrashing where they lost against Barcelona in the Super Cup. Um, looking at their year since that horrible event, again, I'm sorry if any fans are listening that I've had to refresh your memories with this. Um, Oli, do you think that Sociedad has improved enough since that loss?
1: I don't know if they have improved enough, but I, I would say they improved a little bit at least, taking small baby steps. If you see... The last result against Barcelona, it was just a 5-1 defeat. So obviously that's a little bit better. Halfway, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, halfway there. But still not where you want to be, obviously, as a, as a professional athlete. Um, as, as we just mentioned, Franci was definitely a good signing for, for them. And uh, yeah, but they also lost uh, Cardona, I think, before that season, which is now doing pretty fine at Alejandro's club so yeah it's it feels like one or two steps ahead one step back maybe they they have a little better record in the league at the moment than they had last year they have eight wins three draws and four defeats i think and last year they had only nine wins so they're almost at their record from last season but then again there are two more teams i think in the league correct me if i'm wrong Yeah, yeah, there are two more teams. Yeah, so you can do the math, then it's maybe a bit easier to, you know, get more wins as well. So I I don't really know if they have improved that much. I I would say there is some improvement, but yeah, let's see how the next game against Barcelona will will end.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, not really filling me with a lot of confidence there. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, as I said, it's it's small steps and... uh, Maybe you have to be have to be happy with small steps at some point, and um, yeah, let's see how it's going against Barca next time.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> fingers crossed for them anyway. Um, now, before we go into our in-depth talk, where we're going to take a look at some transfers, there was another big match that took place as Boca Juniors claimed their first professional women's football championship title in Argentina, thanks to a massive seven-nil defeat of their arch rivals River Plate now. I'm saying the first league, um, the first kind of championship title, only because recently uh, the league has only just become professional. Um, it was a massive achievement for Boca to get the win. Alejandro, you um, you had some thoughts on this one. What did you make of this game? Uh,
2: we, this game has been historic in Argentina. This game has been the first, as you said, the first professional uh, women's football title Boca has shown that they have even even if have, even if the women the women's football is now professional in Argentina, Boca has uh, created a better structure to be professional. So that is the that that is one of the reasons of we can explain this seven 0 to River Plate. And also, uh, I w- I would like to remark some of the words of the River Plate coach before the before the final. He said that. They they were asking him on the on the TV on the on the TV broadcast they were asking him, what should they do to to grow the level and he said, please, more investment, more focus on youth categories. I think that is the key if Argentina wants to have a strong women's football that they, they can they can have it uh, in a future, but uh, the key is that is more more investment, more focus in the youth categories and i think argentina can do can do it
0: yeah um, i agree also
2: just as a curiosity now some Bo- some fans from boca junior sectors they are asking to include also the title of the women's of the women's football team in the in the in the in the, in the, ch- in the crest of boca they go, they want to add the star as boca juniors has has many stars in the oldest the many stars in the chest because of every professional title they want to add also the star of the women's team.
0: Wow. That's um, that's pretty special, actually, when you think about it. So they basically want that achievement to be on the same level as the achievements yeah. in the men's game as well. Um, that would be really interesting to see if they end up doing that. Um, and I guess it's like what you touched on before with Real Madrid. If you have these big names, these big clubs that are known all over the globe and are supported by so many fans... If they also have a standing in the women's game, it's only going to raise the profile even more, I guess. So, I guess if you look at, you know, River Plate and Boca, if they are, you know, going to take this seriously and they're hopefully going to be able to put a little bit more money into it, then surely this is just another positive and another, you know, really great step towards getting the sport recognised more all over the world, surely. But yeah, I mean, River Plate will have to, of course, dust themselves off and be ready to go again because the 2020 Copa Libertadores Femenina takes place in March because it couldn't take place last year obviously because of coronavirus Um, and this is a tournament which includes River Plate and Boca along with some of the other South American sides so again that is going to be another really interesting competition we'll have to see how that one unfolds and switching gears now with the transfer window well and truly underway and quite a few moves being made I thought it would be good for us to take a look at some of the big moves so far this winter there have been around 87 transfers across Europe in January we're not going to go into all eight don't worry um, mm-hmm. but I thought we could go through a few of them um, first up and just the other day again if I butcher people's names my apologies I need to go to pronunciation classes I know but um, Maria Thoris so she made the move from Chelsea to one of their biggest rivals at the moment my club Manchester United um, it kind of makes sense that they would want to bring in a defender with Lotta Ogvist heading to Copperberg's and um, Alejandro, do you think that this has been a good move for her? Um, considering, especially considering as well how solid Millie and Amy Turner have been, do you think this is the right move for her?
2: It we, we will see if she accepts to be a part of a of, of a rotation team to yeah. be a a centre back that it can be part of a rotation team, or that that if she wants to be a starter a starter player, if she wants to have a starter player having. As you said, Millie and Amy Turner on a perfect shape, uh, we will have a, we will have a problem. Uh, but if she if she comes on the mood, have been a player that wants to give all the team, uh, no matter if she starts off or if she comes from the bench on the second half, Manchester United have signed maybe a perfect a perfect player to be fighting for the title.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's a good point, providing she, I mean, you would think she knows what she's getting herself in in for, you know, she has seen um, Millie and Amy and how they've been performing. So she must know that there's no guarantees that she's going to be slotted in every single weekend, you know, it is going to be part of a rotation. And like you say, if she's good with that, then um, it's a good move for her. Um, next up, another transfer that I saw was Ivana Rudlik. She has made the move for from Bayer Leverkusen to Bayern Munich. Oli, what did you make of this move?
1: Yeah, I think this is just a transfer that makes totally sense, in my opinion, for both player and the club. Um, Bayern had some, or still have, some problems with injury, especially in in the attacking positions. There is Damjanovic out, there's Assegi out, Gwyn still in recovery, I think, and will probably need some time after touring her ACL. So... It made a lot of sense, in my opinion, to bring back Rudelic, the club who has been there for six years between 2008 and 14. Now she yeah, is a national team player for Croatia, earned a lot of experience in the league and s- still knows the club. I mean, she said that a lot of things have changed there in the last six or seven years since her departure. And obviously the club got more professional and everything just grown bigger and yeah more professional and still she said there is this feeling of family which a lot of bayern fans will like to hear because this is you know one one unique selling point of this of this club that is there that there is a family feeling all around and in the teams and yeah i think they just made a really good signing with uh she's fast she's flexible and she can score um so I, i think she will be an uh, important part for Bayern to keep up with their amazing record in the league and maybe even on European level.
0: Yeah, definitely an exciting move. It'll be interesting to see um to see how she does. One of the most exciting transfers that I've seen was um again apologies for pronunciation Achara Nachau from uh, to Atletico Madrid, sorry, from um Valeringa. She made a massive impact in that com- Cup competition, we spoke about that last week in the podcast um, but another exciting name is Aminata Diallo from um, PSG to Atletico Alejandro, do you have high hopes for these two women?
2: Of course, really Atletico de Madrid, one one thing that they have done also very well is moving wisely in the transfer window and now Jose Sánchez-Vera has two players that they can offer her speed and game vision that they are Ideal if Atlético Madrid wants to perform better than on the first on the first part of the season. I think Atlético de Madrid uh, was very wise moving them, and even if there were some criticism saying that why are they sign, are they taking uh, players on loan from PSG, uh, I think this time Atlético Madrid has, has they have done a very good choice.
0: Yeah, m- most definitely, and I um, I hope that they are part of this. Um, Kind of fresh start for Atletico, like we've like we've touched on, you know this kind of regenerated team that we're seeing and how well that they're playing. I hope that they um, have some really good roles in that. Um, and another transfer that I saw, which we I think we did mention before, was um, Damaris egorola who has made the move from Everton to Lyon. Oli, a big move for the player. Do you think that she will transition uh, to the French league? Okay.
1: Yes, I have huge confidence in her ability. I have to say. Um, really great signing for Leon. Um I think 100,000 was the fee so this is in terms of the women's football still quite a lot of money for such a young player but if you just watch her she is so cool and composed on the ball she's good at headers, she has a great passing really the stereotype of her modern midfielder I would say and also if a player is left footed I think this always adds a little bit of extravagance to, to, the, to the play of the or the style of play of the player um, so yeah I think she she will have a crucial role in that uh, rebuild that Lyon has to face in the next couple of years and yeah I'm really looking forward to her debut which could be I think on Friday already in the cup game versus Rams so yeah I'm really excited about this one I have to say
0: Yes, me too. Um, it will be interesting to see how she does um, and interesting to see how um, how Everton do without her, I guess. Um, but those were f- some of the transfers out of the almost 90 um, that kind of stood out for me. Are there any other transfers that have stood out for you
1: both? Yeah, maybe if I can make this connection to early again. There were reports that Lyon want to or have to bring, I don't know, have to bring two of these following three players, which are Renard, Marujan, and Boadi, to uh, or reign in the uh, US League, the NWSL. And I think, as I also mentioned earlier, there were talks about this team being in a decline after winning all and everything for years and years and just competing on such a high level. And yeah i think it's maybe it's time i think there's also rumors about uh, amandine henry leaving as well and they had some i think focal focus points where they wanted to improve the team maybe in central midfield which they maybe now have done with this signing of agarola um so yeah i think there's going to be a lot of happening at Lyon. there's also katarina macario brought in which is was or which was labeled one of the most significant signings in the club history. and she was just applauded with a lot of uh, yeah, warm words. On her arrival, she already talked to Ada Hilgerberg, which seemed uh, very impressed by her already and is looking forward to play with her. And I think this is just a, a massive project ahead for Lyon to, you know, rebuild, a team which will still win all and everything, and I think they are still the team to beat in every competition. And just to keep that high level up. They need to sign future players at some point. And with these two players they just signed, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and I also think you know if if PSG do end up winning the league, um, do you do you think that that's going to have um a massive impact on Leon do you think they? because let's face it you know they are you know the champions of that league for so many years you know in the Champions League as well you know they absolutely are all over the place you know winning left right and centre do you think if they lose this league to PSG do you think psychologically that's going to have a bit of an impact or do you think they'll kind of brush it off and think you know what? We've got some good players that have arrived. They will maybe sign some good players in the summer. You know, we have our star returning. Do you think that they'll be okay?
1: Yeah, I think if they if they don't win the league this year, I think it's gonna be even harder to beat them next season. They will be so motivated if they yeah. if they if their streak is coming to an end and. Yeah, it's like tickling the giant. If you you know, if you play with fire, then Lyon will answer. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I think they will be very, very fine for the next couple of years, and probably sign yeah one or two more players that will uh, you know start this new generation of uh, winning everything Olympic Lyon team.
0: So, it's basically just going to be a new generation of winners at Lyon. Nothing will really change. They might (laughs) lose the odd league here and there, but they will still be uh, at the top of their game. Maybe, who knows, Alejandro Real Madrid could be coming in the next few seasons to be competing for that Champions League. Maybe they want to make the Women's Champions League their own as well. Do you reckon? (laughs) <laughs> for
2: sure, Real, I'm sure Real Madrid will, comp- if if they qualify, they will compete uh, to get the Champions League for sure. Now, the, uh, in last in some weeks ago, there were even some rumors that they were saying that Sofia Jacobson she got an offer from Lyon for, for next season, mm-hmm. but let's see how this develop. And uh, also Real Madrid, also, if you want some rumors, they are saying Real Madrid, of course, there's a rumor to sign Naikari Garcia. The uh, Oh. She's, she's the one, the, the most desired one for, for in, in Spanish football and Real Madrid also wants to make a bid for her. So let's see how the situation develops in the future and if she ends up uh, uh, wearing the white t-shirt.
0: Well, yeah, so maybe. So maybe Real Madrid are now just going to uh, start taking over the transfers in the women's game as well. Could you see them poaching any Barcelona players?
2: Why not? <laughs> uh, we we have seen in the men's team that football is very, very complicated and, and it can take any way. So let's see why not we can see maybe a transfer from Barcelona to Real Madrid.
0: So, you heard it here first, not only will Leon continue with a new generation of winners, but Real Madrid are going to be hot on their heels, they will have pretty much every big transfer, and they may even poach a few from Barcelona, it's going to be very interesting, not just for the rest of this season and the summer transfers, but for the upcoming couple of seasons with all of these big teams, Um, yeah, I can't wait for it personally, Uh, thank you both so much for joining me for this podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for the invitation.
2: Uh, pleasure and here ready to come back whenever you want
0: so that is the end of our podcast big thanks to our guests to all of you for listening and if you do want to get in touch the address is podcast at onefootball.com don't forget you can head to itunes soundcloud spotify wherever you listen to all of your podcasts really to have a listen to the one football podcast